This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. And, uh, well, I'm back in the Eastern Tide Zone, and uh, back to recording this pod early on Tuesday mornings, and we uh, thank our listeners for being tolerant of me, and also I'd, I'd like to thank my co-host for accommodating me with these time change switches. But uh, i got to say the excitement around Toronto is ramped up now that we are a little more than a week away from the NHL and NBA playoffs with both teams primed for an exciting postseason. I'm trying to soak it all up here, but uh, we're here to talk more about uh, than just the Toronto scene, so I'm happy to speak with my co-host and get this show on the road. What's going on in your neck of the woods, AJ? Oh, a lot more of the same. I mean, it's a it's a busy time, you know, especially at, at Rotowire HQ here. Uh, baseball's literally right around the corner. We're just a few days away here. Uh, so we're in full, uh, full busy mode here, getting ready for that hockey heading into the playoffs, NBA heading into the playoffs. Uh, so it's been pretty busy. You know, we had NFL free agency just a, a little bit ago. Uh, that's kind of tapered off a little. So, uh, very crazy around, around the offices here, but everybody's excited, amped up about their particular sport heading into different, uh, aspects of the season. So, uh, real, real buzz around the office right now but before we kick off the rest of the show just remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us uh and and we'll answer those questions as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the Statsman at Statsman 22 and while i'm thanking people i gotta thank our listeners for asking us questions and they're, they've kept us sharp i think all season long and as their seasons wind down in full season fantasy uh, there's been a deluge i think and i've had a lot of fun with them aj i know you have too on this week's show, uh, we're going to try to assign an in and out, in or out tag on as many teams as we can for the out clubs, of course, out of the playoffs. We're also going to try and highlight those players who may still be considered fantasy relevant or helpful in the remaining part of the regular season schedule. We'll begin with our look at Anaheim. Uh, this club is winners out of five of their last six before last night action. To me, it's a scary playoff, oh, AJ. They're, they play a heavy game 
taking their lead from great quality at the center position with veterans Getzlaff, Kessler, and Henrik, giving them an edge in depth at that position over almost any projected early playoff opponent. On defense, uh, Montour and Manson have matured into quality two-way guys on the blue line, too. That was a development that uh, most teams couldn't expect to, to nurse two youngsters along and have them be a top, part of their top four, but it's happened here. And that uh, bring, uh, brings this team forward with a rare blend of physicality with their talent. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I wouldn't be, want to be facing them in the first round. No, absolutely not. I mean, they're, they're certainly not going to take it easy on you. Uh, even if you do get past Anaheim, uh, you're probably going to be a little banged up. Uh, you know, as you said, they're a very physical team. Uh, they're starting to get healthy on the blue line, which is good for them. Uh, and, you know, a ton of talent, uh, you know, down the middle with Gesslaff, Kessler, uh, and a few wing options. Now, we've talked about it repeatedly. Uh, there's some inconsistencies on the left-hand side here. Raquel, Cogliano, Richie, they're kind of interchangeable at this point. Uh, and you have to imagine they really wish they had Patrick Eves right about now. Uh, he's been dealing with that that illness all year long. So uh, just a, a, a big question mark for me on the left-hand side. Now, I don't think it's going to affect them getting in or out of the playoffs. I definitely think they're in. Uh, I don't anticipate that they'll be able to. They may not finish top three. They may end up, uh, I think the Kings might challenge them for that third spot in the Pacific. They may end up as a wild card. But I don't see St. Louis catching this club. So, so I've got them as in. Uh, for for the playoffs and up next of course uh, Arizona has been out of the playoff scene for quite some time so that's not going to be a shocking moniker on their their listing today they've shut down uh, D-man Jason Demers he had a pretty good scoring streak going earlier on in the season he joins Jalmerson on the sidelines though Jalmerson is considered day-to-day not sure why you rush a veteran back at this late stage of a lost season uh, I'll say that parenthetically. This weekend's, weekend's an already terrible team defense, though, and I would continue to consider opposing team stacks and goalies in DFS play against Arizona as this uh, schedule winds down. It's worth noting also that the next four games are all against better clubs, much better clubs, in fact, who really need the points. So they'll be up against it in the next seven days for sure. Uh, apart from Keller, Stepan, and Oliver ekman Larson, who we've mentioned from time to time in DFS play, you don't need to consider any other players here, I don't think, AJ, do you? No, I don't think so. And, you know, about Jalmerson, he's actually, they are, in fact, going to shut him down for the year. Yeah. Uh, latest news. So, I mean, that's good at this point in the season. You really don't need it. Now, if they were playing some uh, some competition that maybe wasn't as stiff as what they're they're potentially going to see, I wouldn't mind uh, Anti Ranta lately. He's going to come in at a low cost. He's got three wins in a row. Uh, in fact, has given up even pre. If you go back one game pre injury, his last five games he's given up two or less goals uh, per night. So he's actually looking really good lately. But as Paul said, they've got some really tough matchups around the around the around the away from him so uh from a daily standpoint or or season long if you're still in it i do think paul's right keller step on oliver ekman larson although ekman larson really hasn't produced a point where i'm not sure i would even trust him uh totally at this point too so some you have to pick and choose your battles here uh for this club and up next, we look at the Boston Bruins, of course. They're in. They're one of the top teams in the league, and they just got Patrice Bergeron back in the lineup. Uh, the guy was out 
for a couple, a couple of weeks here, AJ, with a broken foot. He comes back and he plays 18 and a half minutes, dominant uh, as usual, lining up beside Brad Marchand, who's had a fantastic season uh, on his own. 60 games played, 80 points for Marchand. That's a remarkable pace, not matched by too many players in the whole of the NHL, I thought, uh, when I noticed the numbers. Uh, this team has a real shot to take over first place in the Division Two. They have crawled to within, uh, climbed to within <coughs> two points of Tampa. And we'll get to talk about the Tampa Lightning in a sec but there are two games left with the lightning and uh, those two tilts are going to go a long way to deciding who wins this division and gets that top seed and avoids the Leafs in the first round Uh, I think that's a pretty good prize for whoever finishes first they get a fourth place team or basically a first wild card club instead of a pretty hot Toronto club so don't think the Bruins will be resting any of their stars this week or through the reigning slate Though it's worth noting, rookie Ryan Donato's turned some heads with four points in his first two games played. But then he was blanked in his last two, uh, still holding on to the second line left wing role because there are a number of other options sidelined. I wonder how many of them they're going to integrate before the end of the season here. That's the key question for me with Boston. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head here with the playoff race. I mean, you don't want to have to face Toronto in your first round matchup, even if you have home ice advantage. Uh, That's just not... Uh, a recipe for success in my opinion so they are going to try and track down tampa which means they can't let off the gas now fortunately tuka rask has been absolutely phenomenal of late uh and is just you know basically unbeatable uh you look at his last nine outings eight oh and one a 2.76 goals against average so that's a little higher than maybe you would like but there's a couple anomalies in there uh, has been a lot better of late just giving up three goals in his last two games Uh, And so I I think this team should be all right. I actually think, you know, Tampa's, we'll talk about it more, but they've been struggling a little. And I think that really has opened the door. I wouldn't be surprised to see Boston track them down. Uh, As far as injuries goes, like you said, David Backus, uh, Jake DeBrus, Rick Nash, all dealing with injuries at the forward position. And so, yeah, you are going to see a guy like Donato get some serious ice time. I question whether that'll happen as soon as these guys get healthy. Uh, you know, he is young, he is untested. And so I think that could certainly factor into it. Uh, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe they, uh, Donato's available for the postseason based on when he signed his entry level contract. So, uh, without that, they may ride him, uh, as long as the regular season lasts in order to keep, you know, the rest of the guys rested. And then once the postseason, I, I'm pretty sure because of when he signed that, uh, ELC that he's ineligible. Well, we'll have to clarify that before the playoffs do roll around. We'll try and get that confirmed uh, for next week's show. Uh, In terms of Buffalo, they came into Toronto and they stole basically a 3-2 win over the Leafs last night. I was in attendance there. I wasn't deterred in terms of of Maple Leafs, but it's worth noting that uh, while Robin Leonard's back in lineup, Johnson, the backup goalie, played last night, and he's taken the Leafs out twice in the month of March. Uh, Leonard, for his part, his play has deteriorated in over the second half of the season, though, and I want to go uh, through his, some of his numbers, considering that he's allowed four goals in five of his last nine starts, and the save percentage is barely over 900 in that stretch. I'm not too th- sure that they're very thrilled in Buffalo with his performance in the second half of the season. I think there was also a little bit of concern over Jack Eichel being back for five games with only one assist and a minus eight in that period, but he did break out last night with a fine performance, uh, being the dominant player of the game in a 
with a two-goal effort against the Leafs. He must have got really up for that one. He loves to play against Austin Matthews and make his own little statement there. Uh, second center, uh, O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly has three points and a minus five in his last five games for last night. Uh, you know what? Apart from the games against the Leafs, I'm sure the Sabres really want to wrap this season up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they did uh, haul in their big fish yesterday. Casey Middlestat did sign with the team. Uh, I do think a lot of that has to do with the coaching change in Minnesota, um, but I think that's a great snag for him. We're kind of seeing an interesting trend this week. Now, in the past, guys would sign ELCs that wouldn't kick in until next year and then would go join uh, the minor league club on an amateur tryout. And this is something that has kind of been the, the norm in the past. Well, Casey Middlestat and a whole mess of other guys, we'll talk about a few of them here, are actually going to sign and then play right away this season. Now, from the team standpoint, it burns a year of their entry-level contract, but you also have to be concerned about the, the Jimmy VC situation, I'll call it, where they don't sign, they end up landing somewhere else. So I think teams are willing to burn these years of, of entry-level deals to get these guys under contract. And, you know, the trade-off for them is that they play a few uh, relatively meaningless games at the end of the year, but it you know it brings in buzz. If I'm a Sabres fan, maybe I'm not selling my tickets you know to the next game. Maybe I'm actually going because I do want to see what Casey Middlestack can bring. So kind of an interesting change that we're seeing. Uh, as I said, there are a number of guys that this happened to that signed their entry level contracts after their college season ended are going to jump right in. And I look for Casey Middlestat to really bolster uh, this team offensively and bring some excitement for their last few games and maybe add a little bit of compete level that they've been missing, uh, except for last night in Toronto. Well, in uh, Calgary, there's a recipe that's going to need a new uh, bit of detail here in terms of the front <coughs> office, I think. This club is now missing front liners, Monaghan and Gaudreau up front. That means opportunity for others to move up. The trouble is some of them, like Curtis Lazar and Chris Stewart, have not been up to that challenge here or anywhere else this season. I would still consider the tandem of Hamilton and Giordano as good DFS options, but beyond that, this team is thrown in the towel, and I think there's going to be off-ice changes here as well as on-ice in the offseason. Yeah, I would expect wholesale changes here as well. I mean, to to be completely fair, the the injuries, you know, that that you mentioned, Monahan to Chuck uh, Gaudreau dealing with a family matter, so he's not available. Uh, I think it's you know really kind of hampered. Those are probably three of arguably their top four, five guys right there that you're missing. So uh, that is hard to overcome, but. There is no depth on this team. You look at a guy like Tanner Glass, who is, you know, a great physical player, um, but he's not going to score you a whole lot of goals. And so when Tanner Glass is is a key piece of your lineup uh, right now, uh, it is an indication of the lack of depth in your organization. And I think that is going to highlight some of the problems in uh, the front office, not necessarily on the ice. And uh, Carolina, I'm going to give this team the out uh, moniker, AJ. On defense, Brett Pesci and uh, up front, Victor Rask are done for the year now. And those two players have to rank as two disappointments here. Uh, I'll also say that Justin Falk is a viable option on the blue line just because he's a very good offensive piece, but he's really let them down defensively as well. Up front, Williams and Stahl are solid pros who will show up for the remaining games and can be trusted. That's a very short list here. I might also put Cam Ward in that into that category, although he may not get team-wide support in goal as this team plays out the string. 
Yeah, Cam Ward, three wins uh, in his last three games, looking really good. Uh, this guy's playing for – he's auditioning for his next team. Uh, I don't think he's coming back to Carolina. He'll be an unrestricted free agent after the year. Uh, they'd have to he'd have to take a pretty significant pay cut because they've given Scott Darling so much money to be the starter. So you've got a guy like Cam Ward auditioning uh, not only for the next contract, but likely for the next team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, s- some of the pieces here just haven't really worked out. You look at Tara Vanen, uh, Yeah, 61 points on the year is is great. It's a career high for him. Uh, but he's jumped up and down the lineup, kind of uh, hasn't really found uh, a good spot to fit in, in my opinion. And not to mention, he's also playing wing when he's, uh, you know, technically like a natural center. So uh, kind of some miscast pieces here. And I think it contributes to them getting just close, but not making the playoffs. And and I do think they're out for sure. Uh, you know, there's six points back of Florida, who's who's not even in uh, in the wild card right now, they're a point back from New Jersey. So uh, maybe if Carolina had a game or two in hand, you might think, yeah, they can make a push for it. But uh, I just don't see it happening at this point. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. In Chicago, it's been very clear that they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, you got to think, boy, they, they've had a nice, like a 10-year run near the top of the league. So that had to catch up with them sooner or later, and it certainly did this year. It's uncharted waters for this non-playoff team, though. And up front, Jonathan Taze will miss a couple of games, but his replacement on the top line, Victor Edsel, is a six foot five Swede, uh, just promoted from AHL Rockford to see what he looks like in the big leagues. And I'm pretty happy to see that he gets a front-line opportunity. I don't know why so many teams bring up top-scoring players from junior or the AHL and then thrust them into fourth line roles and give them five minutes. This way, they'll get a good look at this guy. He had 34 points in 50 games in the Swedish league. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a low-scoring league. And uh, he then had a two-game pit stop in Rockford, their AHL affiliate there, before coming up to the pros in the NHL. Uh, Also, it's worth noting another youngster, Andreas Martin, is another recent call-up who has not scored in his first four games. He's in a third-line role. Take a look, but don't buy here at this point on those two guys or almost anybody else down the stretch. The only thing I'll say about Edsall is that, you know, the fact that he's going to get a look on that top line, it might be worth a flyer uh, on him. It's hard not to at least pick up a, an assist against, you know, when you're playing alongside Brandon Saad and Patrick Kane. So he may stumble into a point or two uh, being in that role. Uh, and so, I mean, that's important to check, though. If he gets bumped down, you know, if Taves uh, gets healthy or if they decide to put Schmaltz on that top line, then I totally agree with you, Paul. I think it's too early to buy in on him. Uh, unless you're in a keeper league uh, looking to the future, then maybe take a look. But as far as daily contests go, the only way I'm using him is if he's in that top line role. Uh, one interesting thing to note, uh, you know, some of our listeners might find interesting Duncan Keith has had a pretty decent year, uh, 31 points. He's had 180 shots this year, and only one has found the back of the net, just one goal on the year. Uh, that's really kind of astounding. It almost, uh, you know, it is in, it's almost impressive in a way because you just, how a guy can take so many shots and just not find the back of the net. Now, obviously, he's a defenseman, so you have to figure a lot of those shots are coming from the blue line in, uh, and there's a lot of traffic on the way. Uh, but it, you know, I would expect a guy like Duncan Keith to score more. Uh, he's not going to reach the 40 point mark for really only, uh, the second time in his career with the exception of the lockout short in 2012, 13 season. So, uh, a, a decent season, but that, that number, 
of or lack of goals is really kind of uh, astounding. And in Colorado, this is a team that's really on the bubble. They currently hold the last wild card by a slim point over St. Louis. We all know about the top line here. We've talked about McKinnon and company there quite a bit this season, but I'm enthralled by what Carl Soderberg has done now that he's been back in the lineup, and I think he's hoping, and the club is hoping, that he continue a, a nice run in that role with 10 points in his last 11 games played as a second-line center. On defense, I think Tyson Berry deserves accolades. We haven't talked about him too much all season, but 52 points in only six games for a D-man, yet he doesn't get the same publicity as the other top-scoring D-men, so we're going to talk a little bit about him today. Uh, it's also worth noting that he is now partnered with Nikita Zadorov, another capable offensive blue liner. You don't see too many defensive pairings where both guys are, both, are more well-known for their offense than their defense, and that's got to help his offensive game uh, for Barry, and even Zadorov for that matter, is a cheap DFS play. Well, I do want to also point out that our, our frequently talked about buddy, Nail Yakupov, uh, seems to be on the outs once again. In <laughs> fact, Colorado's been suiting up seven defensemen, uh, Mark Alt being the seventh, in order to, and just 11 forwards while keeping Yakupov out of the lineup. Uh, I just think it's, this guy just can't seem to put it together for a full season, showed some flashes at, at times, um, but just can't seem to get it right. And so really interesting that they'd rather have a seventh defenseman on the ice than now Yakupov. Now, as far as in or out, for me, I'm actually going to say they're out. And here's the biggest reason why Semyon Varlamov has played 21 consecutive nights. Uh, some of those have been relief appearances. I believe two of those are relief appearances, yeah. but most of those have been starts. Now he's looked good over that stretch, 10, five and four with a 2.5 uh, goals against average. But he's just I think he's going to get too tired here down the stretch. Part of it's been Jonathan Bernier dealing with that injury. So that is obviously a factor, but I think he's going to kind of fizzle out here. St. Louis is looking really strong, uh, and uh, Allen has been phenomenal in goal. We'll talk more about that, but I think they're going to catch him here. And for me, I think Colorado is going to find themselves out. Uh, when it comes to playoff time. Well, I'm going to hesitantly say the next team, Columbus, is in, but you look at that division where your club resides, the top five teams are so close that even the top team right now, Washington, hasn't clinched a playoff spot with uh, six games left. So that's really tight quarters for the top five clubs, and they include the two wild cards. We'll get to those clubs in a moment. For their part in Columbus, they have to be thrilled that Thomas Vanek's been a real nice fit as a top six winger here, producing at a point-per-game clip in his last nine starts eight points over a six game stretch has finally earned uh, Jenner a, a top six role again Boone Jenner but he was blanked over three games in that role last week I still think they need to keep him there though because he's more of a proven commodity than some of the alternatives on this roster and they've done a lot of move, moving things around I think it's time they settle on the lineup and get ready for the postseason because I think they're going to get there well, the problem is that now they've got Nick Foligno out two to four weeks. Uh, that's for sure got him out the rest of the regular season, uh, possibly the first round series if they make it. Uh, I, I want to say that this team is in. It, it looks like the numbers work for them, uh, but the Florida Panthers have been so good lately that they're really trying to chase them down. Uh, New Jersey is right in the hunt too. And both those teams have games in hand over Columbus. So uh, I think that that injury to Felino could be just enough to find them out. And that's what I'm going to go with in my prediction. That's probably going to be the boldest call I make. Uh, I'm, I'm hedging here a little saying I'm probably going to be wrong, but I do ultimately think that injury is going to be too much to overcome. And I think these other teams can track them down. I'm going to call Columbus out of the playoffs 
at this point. And uh, Dallas is out of the playoffs. It looks like the Maple Leafs and Brian Burke uh, lent them their 18-wheeler. A disastrous late season slide has killed any realistic postseason hopes here. As such, I could still see taking a shot at frontliners Sagan, Ben, and Radiloff in DFS play, along with maybe Klingberg on defense, though he only has seven assists in his last 13 games played. With Bishop injured in goal, Kari Littonen has come up well short of proving himself as a viable starting goalie option. He's a guy that's going to be looking for work next year, but hard to sell when he's given up at least three goals against in each of his last six starts at a time when this club needed better from him. So a tough sell there. Absolutely. And I mean, Kerry Lettinen, we talked about this last season when he was splitting time. Uh, he just hasn't put it together at any point to really, truly become a number one. You talked about his most recent games. You go even further back in his last 11 outings. He's one eight and two with a 3.31 goals against average. Uh, he just isn't a number one netminder. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I, I know that sometimes that may come off harsh, um, Maybe he was earlier, you know, in the mid, uh, you know, 2012 to 2015, he played 60 games a year, got 30 wins a couple of times, but hasn't even sniffed that lately, just 12, 13 and three on the year. And I, I do think this is systematic. This is why they brought in Bishop and made that move because they had so many goaltending problems last year and Bishop gets hurt and they're right back where they're at. I think next year you look at, it, it's going to be Bishop, probably Mike McKenna, who's serving as the backup will be their backup next year. And yeah, Kerry Lettinen will be somewhere else. Uh, I don't think he'll be done. I'm sure another team will give him a look as kind of a veteran backup option, uh, but it definitely won't be at $5.9 million a year, and I don't think it'll be in Dallas either. And uh, Detroit, you got to give them the out moniker for the second straight year. It's been a long time since they missed two consecutive playoffs, but uh, they have to be hardened to lead, at least up front. I think they found their next leader in Dylan Larkin. He snapped out of a long scoring funk with three goals and one assist last week. He's going to be a key part of retooling of this roster and like I said, he's emerged as the club's leading scorer this year and top shot maker, too. Uh, uh, Andrea, uh, Andreas Antanasiu is an, another young guy who will be similarly tasked next year. He set a new career high for points with 31. But remember the start of this guy's season, AJ? they got to avoid the acrimony of his salary dispute and hope that they can re-sign this guy. He's an RFA again to start the next campaign right at the beginning of the season once that uh, season does roll around. Well, the problem is they do have some serious questions here as far as uh, contract issues. Oh, you know, yeah. you talked about AA. Dylan Larkin is a restricted free agent. He needs to get paid. Anthony Mantha is a restricted free agent. They're certainly not going to want to let him go. Uh, you've got Jared Corio, who kind of looks like their netminder of the future. He's an unrestricted free agent heading into the offseason, so they need to figure out what they're doing there. Um, I think ultimately Mike Green can't be back on this team. I just don't think they can afford it. He's making $6 million this year, going to be an unrestricted free agent. So I, I think some changes, um, changes for the better. This team has been a very old club uh, for a long time. You know, they've tended towards veterans and it's worked for them. So it's hard to blame them for that. Um, but it's gotten to be a little too much. I think they need to turn to some of these young guys that we just talked about and bring them in and, and try and get faster, get younger in today's NHL. I just think that's a better way to go. So uh, I agree. Some very significant changes. Obviously, the huge haul of draft picks that they have, you're going to see them start putting those together. Uh, two first rounders this upcoming season. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys maybe gets a look right away uh, just to try and keep building this club up. 
In Edmonton, of course, they're out of the playoffs, but uh, the story here begins and ends with one of the best players in hockey. I'll have more to say about him in, in the latter part of the show. But playing next to the uber-skilled forward at center is the opportunity we try to point out wherever we can on any roster. And right now, Ty Ratty is taking a full advantage of this chance with seven points in his last six games, tied to one of the questions that we got this past week, AJ, in terms of a list of veteran players or this guy down the stretch. I thought one of the veterans made more sense, but I'm starting to rethink this because Ratty looks like he's going to play out the string next to Connor McDavid and the way he's playing. You got to think that you or I could pile up some points in that circumstance. <laughs> so you got to ride him in this role. Uh, also, Pontus Aberg, we've had a lot of fun with him and his name all season long, but he's making a real good impression here with six points in four games played. So I can't call him pointless, Aberg, anymore. He's playing <laughs> with Leon Dreisaitl and looking really good in that role as well. So amid the chaos, there are some good uh, bits of new here with those two youngsters yeah i mean if aberg was playing like this in nashville he'd still be with that team (laughs) he's got as many points in 12 games with edmonton as he did in 37 with the predators so uh yes he obviously uh, maybe a little bit of a wake-up call maybe he fits into the system better i mean there's a lot that goes into it um and i do think this is what they need they need guys like ratty aberg uh, to build around mcdavid and dry we talked about things that haven't worked mike camillary Camilleri really didn't work. Milan Lucic, I don't think has really worked either. Ryan Strom hasn't been uh, exactly what they were hoping they got uh, when they traded for him from the Islanders. He's got just 33 points this year. So um, I I think they need some more younger guys uh, to build around as as a, a bigger core. I mean, you've got McDavid, obviously, so that's maybe all the core that you need uh, in a lot of cases, but you, I think you need more than that. Uh, you look at the Washington Capitals. They've always built around Ovechkin and had a, a few other pieces with it, but nothing that's stuck consistently, uh, and they haven't had success. Whereas you go with the Penguins, you've got Crosby, Malkin, uh, and Latang. You know, you've got a wider core of guys that you build around, and I just think it works better. And so I, I think good things are coming for Edmonton next year. Uh, they're they're a tough team to beat now. I think they're going to be even harder next season once they get these guys fully integrated. I wonder if the same uh, notion applies to Florida, AJ. This team is... Uh right back in the thick of the wild card hunt they're right on the bubble they're trailing two teams in the metro division but very narrowly after a three nothing win last night over the islanders shutting down that high-powered offense tells you just how good this team is playing right now frank vetrano has averaged three shots on goal in uh, in the eight games he's played since joining the, the club with top six minutes here that's just adding to they're starting to think get things together in their top scoring lines they're also putting their top scoring d-men together on a top pairing in Ekblad and yandel that should give them an edge for up to 22 minutes a game but leaves them thin i think for the remainder although it didn't hurt them last night obviously luongo has been very good when healthy but his games played has dropped significantly for the second straight year reimer's up to 40 games played now but his goals against is a shade uh, under three goals goals per game that's not great but uh, if he can play more like he did last night they'll be happy with him uh, going down the road this is a team that's getting better too AJ and make no mistake I think uh, a good offseason could propel them right into the mix with uh, maybe an easier path to playoffs than the one they're trying to make this year well I do think they're going to make it Um, obviously I need to be consistent if Columbus is out somebody's got to be in right so uh, they've got two games in hand on Columbus one game in hand on New Jersey who's just ahead of them Uh, And so I I do think Florida will make the playoffs. And 
this is the one team where I could see them going with a goaltender split even into the postseason. Uh, Luongo has looked really good, uh, but it kind of was banged up a little bit. He seems to be healthy again because they sent Satiri back down to the minors. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of uh, divide the time, keep both guys rested, both guys fresh. It, it seems to be working for much of the season. Uh, so I, I, I would almost never predict this with any other team. Uh, I just think it's a distinct possibility that they don't use just one goaltender come playoff time. And I think they will be in. That's a great call. I, I kind of echo those sentiments. In Los Angeles, I'm thinking this is a bubble team that's really jammed up in the top of the, the Pacific Division, so it looks like they're in right now. So we'll go with that, I guess, if you push me for a decision. Uh, Je- Jeff Carter is rejoined by familiar mates Pearson and Lewis to form a, a pretty good scoring option, I think, on the second scoring line, though Lewis, for his part, is scoreless in his last seven games. If you believe familiarity will bring back some success, this could, he could be a very cheap value in DFS play down the rest of the season oddly enough this pairing has cost tobias Ryder uh, a draw drop to the third line role despite the fact he scored three points last week after a hot start with his new club Dion Phaneuf has only one assist and is a minus six over his last 11 games I think uh, he made a good first impression but now we're starting to see that Phaneuf is looking like he did for long stretches in his previous stops uh, in around the NHL as a veteran guy who's just lost a step in terms of my estimation and uh, that contract's going to follow him till the end of his career that's a, a bad <laughs> deal a bad deal uh, that's all I can say well, I mean, a great deal for Dion Phaneuf. I mean, <laughs> he, he's getting paid, so a uh, good deal for him. Uh, I, I do think, uh, you know, Jonathan Quick uh, is going to be the key here, obviously. Uh, the problem is they're going to have to play him more and more just because they are in, in a tight race here. Now, he's 5-2 and two in his last seven outings with a 1.57 goals against average. Uh, that's really, really good. None of those games has been more than three goals allowed. Uh, save percentage over that stretch, 0.942. Uh, and so he's looking uh, like, you know, the the international, you know, U.S. netminder that he has been in the past, uh, you know, has had some rough stretches over the season. So uh, that could be their Achilles heel. If Jonathan Quick goes cold, he goes cold really bad. Uh, and so I, I hopefully for them they that he can stay uh, consistent stay where he's at I do think they'll make the playoffs here uh, I'm not predicting any any big change for them I think they're in in Minnesota we're going to call him in in my corner AJ but uh, Michael Granlund, Granlund who's been a very consistent scorer for them much of the season has only six assists in his last 12 games with a corresponding reduction in shots on goal in that particular period and that's a bit alarming for, a, for this first line winger who's been a pretty m- good model of consistency in that right wing slot meanwhile a formerly dependable scorer Charlie Coyle has finally picked up his pace with eight points in his last 10 games so he gets the arrow going up finally after a bit of, bit of a struggle all season long after a slow start on the blue line Ryan Murphy a guy that I know a little bit about as a local product here in the Toronto area has uh, chipped in with four points over his last eight games al- along with a plus four rating which might be the biggest surprise of all for this normally one-way player and that's in a second pairing role so it allows allows them to load up with some uh, big talent on that first pairing on on the blue line there well uh, the one guy i want to talk about here is is another one of those entry-level contract guys jordan greenway uh signed with minnesota is going to play with them uh right away here uh should slot in i think right into a a fourth line role out the gate uh if you did 
take the time to watch the the Olympic hockey tournament. I know some of our listeners probably didn't, uh, you know, due to the lack of uh, NHL players there. But if you did, Jordan Greenway, I think, really stood out, not just because he's six five. 230. Uh, this is a huge kid, especially for, for somebody who's playing forward. I mean, if you gave me just his height and weight, I'd assume he was a defenseman, but he's not. He's a winger. Uh, racked up 35 points at Boston University this year in 36 games. Has some penalty minutes to, to show for it. I think that uh, you know points towards his physical play. I, I don't think it's a concerning number of penalty minutes. And so I, I think he's going to be a great addition to this club into the future might even i might even consider uh taking a, a look at him in dfs contest here uh joel erickson eck has been really hot lately playing with marcus felino uh felino rather and so i think uh those guys could make a, a really solid scoring fourth line here in in minnesota the rest of the regular season uh if there's one team that i'm worried about in the western conference that's in right now and could drop out i think it's minnesota uh, ultimately i'm not going that far i think they'll make the playoffs but they're the one that's on the bubble for me more than anybody else in the Western Conference here. In Montreal, of course, this team is not going to make the playoffs. They've clinched that possibility. Oh, you're so sad about it, Paul. Yeah, I know. I I put my (laughs) Montreal Canadiens jersey in mothballs. I think it's below a pile of toilet paper. Uh, uh, I'm going to try and be positive about the Habs uh, this week, uh, though, AJ. Andy Niemi deserves some marks for being pretty solid in goal. I know he's a guy that we've loved to slag a little bit over the two seasons we've done this pod, three seasons we've done this podcast now. But he's limited opponents to two goals or less than eight of his last 11 games before last night's action. I think Carey Price got the appearance last night. In the face of such a puny attack behind him, uh, he's posted a, uh, let's let's just say, he's uh, he's been a pretty good figure back there. And I'm going to say Mike Riley is a guy that, that, that deter- deserves some accolades there. He's been a posting a flat plus minus which is an achievement in itself in Montreal since he was acquired 14 games ago and he's playing first line D minutes next to Jeff Petria uh, another guy who's uh, played pretty solid hockey for the Canadians there's been very few bright spots but these are a few of them and even up front Jonathan Drouin has eight points in his last seven games for his second best streak of the season so it's not all doom and gloom for, for Montreal though they do have a lot of work to do in the offseason. Well, I think the biggest news for, for this team, if, if you're avoiding doom and gloom, trying to have a positive spin on it, is that Shea Weber looks like he's going to be, uh, it's only going to be four months rather than six, <laughs> uh, which if that's the case, he's going to be ready for, for the training camp. There was some concern that he wouldn't be ready uh, closer to the start of the season, but latest reports indicate uh, it's only going to be four months, which has him good to go right out the gate for training camp can get some work in right away uh, on the flip side if you're looking for the doom they ruled out pretty much everybody uh, for the rest of the season Pacioretty, Shaw, Deneau, uh, Hemsky, Mete all these guys are pretty much done for the rest of the season the only two uh, are Slemko and uh, uh, their other defenseman uh, Valiev who those are the only two they think they might get back. The rest of those guys are all done. So uh, definitely some ups and downs. I think if you're looking for a silver lining here, it's that Montreal gets to test out a few guys that don't normally get some play time. Uh, Jacob De La Rose is a guy that normally has been on their fourth line. He's getting a second line look right now just because they don't have the bodies, really. Uh, Charles Houdon is getting more of a look. So I do think there's some uh, some silver lining good things if you want to look for them in montreal right now 
And uh, next up in Nashville, of course, they're in. And I wonder if the Preds are trying to get Nick Bonino going. Uh, he's a guy that you know a little bit about with his stop in Pittsburgh. He topped 20 minutes of play against Winnipeg on Sunday. That's uh, a load for him. Uh, not something you see a third-line center get too often, but there he was. Uh, he's only got one assist in his last nine games. I'm sure that's part of the motivation for giving him the ice time just to get back on the scoring sheet if possible. More importantly, though, uh, on the second line role, Kyle Turris has caught fire of late with eight points in his last nine games. In goal, Pecorine had a tough week last week, giving up eight goals over two games last week. We're going to give him a mulligan because he's just been the best goalie in hockey all on the season. They didn't use him against Winnipeg. That was a good call because the Jets have been playing great and uh, play a, a big tough physical game too and they put a lot of shots on goal i think it was a chance to get him a reset we'll see how he goes the rest of the schedule i'm sure he's going to play a ton the rest of the way just to keep sharp well look hey the grass is not always greener on the other side right and that's the the lesson nick bonino is being forced to learn here uh came into nashville was supposed to be hey i'm going to be the second line center guy instead of being stuck behind those two other uh fellows in pittsburgh well, they brought in Kyle Terrace. He gets sent back to the third line. I think the biggest difference in that ice time is that they put him back on the power play. He played three, about three and a half minutes of power play time against Winnipeg. Uh, and so I think that's why you saw that big jump in minutes. But unfortunately, he still only got one shot on goal in that game. And so I don't know that that's a, a role that's going to stick just because he doesn't seem uh, to be willing to you know, put pucks on the net you talked about one assist in his last nine games. He's only got eight shots uh, over that stretch as well. So I think things just haven't worked out uh, with that move. Uh, you have to wonder if he's looking back saying, hey, if I was still the third line center in uh, Pittsburgh, I'd be playing with Phil Kessel and Connor Sheary right now. Not a bad pairing to be on. Uh, rather, not that uh, Colton Sissons and uh, Ryan Hartman are bad players, but they're certainly not the caliber of Phil Kessel right now. So uh, I, I, I question the move at the onset, uh, and it doesn't seem to be fitting well for him. And, you know, it'll be even worse if he makes the move to Nashville and Pittsburgh were to get another cup without him. Uh, could have stayed around, a little less money, but might have won another championship. So. I'm not bitter about this at all, but No. Okay. <laughs> in New Jersey, despite going scoreless over his last five games, Jester Bratt is likely worth a look this week as he's slated to play with top liners Nico Heischer and Taylor Hall. He should also get ample opportunity to turn things around before the playoffs. So keep an eye on Jesper Bratt in that role. I uh, also thought Patrick Maroon would be a nice addition here at the trade deadline, and he's got eight points in 11 games after being traded there. So looks like he's got a comfort level with a clearly defined role as a left wing number two. I think that's all this guy needs. You've got to give him a role, and he's one of those guys that needs to have it defined, and he'll play for you. And he's done that everywhere he's been, uh, playing top six minutes. So I think a fine addition here in New Jersey, uh, stretching their offense a little bit, a key piece that I, I like the addition here for them. I think what's interesting is the, the change in goalies here. Uh, you know, Keith Kincaid yeah. has pretty much taken over at this point, is the number one uh, in New Jersey over Corey Schneider right now. He's played seven in a row. 5-1-0 and over that stretch, a .938 save percentage, so playing well, uh, and has clearly unseated Corey Schneider as a starter here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out the rest of the way once they hit playoff season. Uh, I do think they'll make it. I, th I think New Jersey, Florida, 
Philadelphia both in uh, Columbus will be the team out in in that uh, in the East. So I do think New Jersey will get into the playoffs. I also want to point out one thing that uh, I read yesterday. Marcus Johansson didn't pull any punches when he was asked about uh, Brad Marchand. Basically said it was a dumb play. It made no sense. Uh, and really hoping he doesn't like more severely hurt somebody, uh, you know, with his style of play. And you talk about more severely hurt somebody. I mean, Johansson's been out for 28 games because of this concussion. Uh, but you know, he did not pull any punches in, and maybe that's what it takes. You know, we can opine about, uh, Marchand's, uh, poor decision-making and, and bad play all we want, but maybe if he hears it from somebody else in the league, uh, it'll, you know, turn something around. I, he also blasted the league a little bit saying that the suspension wasn't enough for how consistent Marchant has been, uh, in taking these, these bad, uh, penalties and how often he's been fined and suspended. So really refreshing to hear a guy like Johansson actually, you know, voice his opinion and not kind of play it safe. He was really uh, open about it and, and honest. And I, I enjoyed hearing that. And, and maybe that's enough to make Marchant, you know, take another look at how, you know, the decisions he makes on the ice. I think that's wishful thinking, but I thank you for that mini rant because I agree with your sentiment completely. The New York Islanders, they got shut out last night and that should be a telling stat because this is one of the highest scoring uh, teams in the league, but uh, they're on the outside looking in. They're waving the white flag with that uh, performance. I think it's just indicative of what you might see from this club down the stretch. They'll be deciding, though, who their building block blocks of the future will be. I like the fact that Jordan Eberle didn't disappear when an early experiment with Tavares didn't work out. He's been a fixture on the second line and has eight points in his last nine games before last night while mentoring young line mates. On the flip side, they're pay paying Andrew Ladd a long-term big-dollar deal, yet he has only one goal in his last 32 games after last night, and uh, he's been dropping down the roster, playing some fourth line minutes of late so a dreadful situation in terms of what they're getting out of Andrew Ladd right now yeah I mean you want to talk about bad contracts I mean that's 5.5 for the foreseeable future at least the next five years on this one uh, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon and, and that's unfortunate for the Islanders right now uh, I do think there is some interesting uh, questions to be answered in goal you've got Yaroslav Halak uh, making 4.5 this year, an unrestricted free agent. He's 32 years old. They do have Thomas Grice, who's on IR for another two seasons. But the question mark here is Christopher Gibson, uh, just 25 years old, going to be an unrestricted free agent after the year. I think that's why he's getting so much work. And I think he'll continue to see a lot of games here down the stretch. I think they need to figure out what they have in Gibson or not, whether he can be their full-time starter or if they think he's good enough to back up Thomas Grice and let Halak go uh, with the deal they're going to have to offer John Tavares, they really could use that extra 4.5 million. Uh, so I, I think it. I think we've seen the last of Yaroslav Halak in in uh, New New York here. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I think Chris Gibson will at least be the backup next season behind Thomas Grice, if not the outright starter. And a lot's going to depend on how he does down the stretch. Yeah, they got to get it right very soon otherwise it's going to be another team that has management management changes written all over it in uh, new york with the rangers like the islanders another non-playoff team for sure the broadway blue shirts will be looking for new players to fill roles going forward no no question about that look we know that henrik lundquist is on new york's book for three more years but i wonder if alexander georgiev is doing enough to earn a partnership with the king next season on his entry-level contract 
He's got a 285 goals against and winning a record of 4-3-1, and one, but I like his 926 save percentage most of all. That tells me that he's facing a lot of rubber and turning a lot of it away. Perhaps no one on this roster apart from him wants this season to continue as much as Jesper Fast. He's collected eight points uh, in, in the last eight games, working his way up to top line minutes. So a speedy guy, as his name implies, is finding his niche at a time where others are kind of packing their bags in New York. Well, and it's nice to see them giving some of the, the young guys a, a look. Philip Chittle uh, is on that second line. Elias Anderson, who scored his first career goal last night, is on the third line. So they're going to test out these youngsters, and that's all part of this uh, rebuild that ownership talked about, uh, seeing different guys in different roles, uh, seeing what they have out there. And so I think it'll help answer a lot of questions. Uh, I, I do think uh, goaltending is a good a big question mark here. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist, when healthy lately has been downright bad. I mean, he not, not just struggling, just outright bad of late. Uh, you look at his last 11 games, two, seven and two with a 0.899 save percentage, uh, just not good enough, especially for a guy who is supposed to be an elite netminder in this league. So, uh, a lot of questions there too, what they do heading into the off season. Uh, I somewhat hinted that I thought Henrik Lundqvist could be a big trade chip at the trade deadline. I still believe that's the case. There's plenty of teams uh, that could return some value for, for him. And I think if they want to rebuild uh, in New York, the value they get back from Lundqvist would be uh, really uh, uh, astounding. And I think, I think somebody would pay up for him. Maybe, uh, you know, there's a couple clubs, uh, Florida even could take a look. I know they've got Luongo and Reimer, but Luongo's 38 years old. He's no spring chicken here. Not that Henrik Lundqvist is, is a 20 year old either, but, um, you know, there's definitely some teams. Ottawa is another club that maybe would take a look. Uh, so I, I think they might want to consider it at least. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I do think, uh, it's a consideration. They might want to, you know, at least kick around. Boy, I, I think there'd be an uproar in the fashion district of New York if, if King <laughs> moves out of that situation. We'll have to watch that one. If you're onto something, that could be a real story in the offseason. In Ottawa, for fans and poolies who consider the expanded stats, which I'm so familiar with, Cody Cece's a player that might be a guy to consider because he's improved his hits and block shots numbers as well as growing into a bigger role on the blue line now that a couple of their guys are falling into disfavor or have been traded out. The pending RFA is likely done enough to get a new contract here and be a building block as a result of the, his growth as a player uh, in terms of the all-around mix that he brings. Uh, on the flip side, there was a time when I thought Mike Condon was going to be the heir apparent to Craig Anderson in goal, but he's collected only one win in his last 10 games for last night's action, along with a 326 goals against average and save percentage of shade under over 90%. He's hurt his cause with this poor season, despite the fact that the, the rest of the team is in a shambles. He had an opportunity here, and I think he's kind of blown it, AJ. Absolutely agree. And you look at that one win that he did record, he still gave up four goals. Now it was uh, 46 shots against, so that's a big load, a uh, heavy night. But um, I agree, he had a chance and just hasn't looked good enough. Craig Anderson's been rather pedestrian this season 21, 23, and six uh, on the year. And so I think there was an opportunity here for Condon to really take take hold of the reins here. And this is why I kind of alluded to them potentially being a team that would take uh, a look at a Heinrich Wankhuis. We've seen that they're not shy of uh, making some some big moves, obviously, with the Matt Duchesne trade. Uh, you know, maybe uh, 
you know, maybe how about Carlson the other way uh, or, you know, some pieces factoring in too. Um, You know, there's certainly things to consider here. I I will be surprised if Eric Carlson's still on this roster on opening day next year. There just seems to be so much bad blood between the two sides here. Uh, Yes, he's under contract for all of next season, and they could wait and try and move him at the deadline. Um, But I don't think they're going to let him go for nothing. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. But I would be surprised if Eric Carlson's still on the team come opening day in October. In Philadelphia, early on in the season, I didn't think they'd be in the playoffs, but I'm conceding that now. I've kept an eye on Oscar Lindblom here and can point out that he has solidified his second nine role, which was on a shaky perch a couple of weeks ago. He's been pretty productive recently with uh, a stint that included four points in his last five games. This has allowed the Flyers to stretch their roster, and their third line, which features Simmons, Philip, Phil Pula, and Wheel, have all chipped in with important secondary scoring. So this is suddenly a deep-looking offense again, and we know they've got a pretty dynamic looking defense it's the question marks in goal that are going to determine their fate here if they can get even ordinary goaltending they could shock some people in the playoffs well i mean you look at what they've got right now you've got alex lyon goes in uh for relief of magic then gets a start uh and maybe looks like he's going to do well then just gets obliterated by pittsburgh <laughs> and mrazic comes in in relief of him so uh, to your point, there's no good answers or, or uh, on this team. Michael Newworth, Brian Elliott still hurt, uh, but those guys aren't uh, under contract next season. So you've got a lot of huge question marks. Uh, I will continue to maintain. I, I know. Well, I lied. Elliott and Newworth are under contract next year. It's the one after that they're not. But uh, I will continue to argue that their best netminder is in the minors right now, and that's Anthony Stolarz. Uh, I think he'll be the best option for them. Uh, moving forward but they do have a decision on Morazic. he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year I don't think they're going to carry Elliot Newverth and Morazic. none of these guys is going to want to go down and spend any time in the minors either uh, you know Morazic was a bit of a head case in Detroit just when he lost the starting job to Jimmy Howard how much more uh, you know how much worse will that be if they try and tell him he's going to go down to the minors for a little bit so uh, we'll see how this all shakes out, but I do think it is the linchpin of this team. And while they will make the playoffs, I, I don't expect them to make it past the first round, really, regardless of who they play, uh, because of the lack of uh, consistent goaltending. And uh, in Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, uh, Broussard has started to rediscover a previous offensive form with the Pens as a third-line center. Now has points in six straight games, AJ. So you got to be thrilled about that. While uh, Latang, though, on the blue line, has put together a nice season without injury and his high-end offensive skills are intact. The other two offensively gifted uh, players on this blue line have taken a bit of a backward step here. I've lost a bit of faith in Olimata and uh, Schultz and wonder if this is going to be the club's Achilles heel in the playoffs. We've seen them get by, of course, with a nondescript defense before, and uh, but I certainly won't turn to either of these guys in DFS play over the remaining schedule for sure. Absolutely. I, I don't think any of these guys are really, uh, other than Chris Letang, uh, if you take, you know, Mata, Alexiak, Schultz, uh, you're lo- really uh, looking for, for to catch lightning in a bottle here on your DFS lineups. Uh, there's just not consistency there. Uh, but I do think uh, from a playoff perspective, uh, they're better defensively than they were last year. Uh, now, obviously, the goaltending is not better. Uh, Casey DeSmith is by no means Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, they do have Matt Murray starting to get back into a rhythm, which is good. 
should have him ready to go. Uh, I do think they are arguably deeper uh, at forward this season. Yeah. Uh, having separated uh, Kessel and Malkin, I think that gives them a third line combination that's really, really strong. And so uh, there's some pluses, some minuses here for this team. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't think they're any worse in any uh, other than goaltender. I think that's the only spot. And you're talking backup goaltender with Flurry being gone. I think that's the only spot they're actually any worse than they were last year. I think they're stronger defensively, stronger at forward. Uh, so if Matt Murray can play well and can play the whole postseason, uh, I think they'll be just fine and could be poised for another deep run. In San Jose, we know the Sharks are going to miss Joe Thornton until the playoffs begin in all likelihood, and hopefully he's back for the first round. But they have to be a little bit concerned with the injury that sidelined Logan Couture. His status is unclear, at least uh, as of last night. I don't know if you've seen anything more this morning, AJ. In any case, Chris Tierney could be a very valuable and productive option if called upon for a larger role. He's collected six points in his last seven games and is seeing more minutes lately with the other forward situations in flux. Yeah, so uh, talking about Couture, he did play last night, uh, 18 minutes of ice time, which seems like a lot, but you have to consider that almost four minutes of that was on the power play. Uh, And so when you're playing about four minutes on the power play, 18 is not really that impressive. You're looking at only 14 minutes of five on five time. And so I think that is indicative of the fact that he is dealing with some sort of minor injury uh, that he clearly is capable of playing through. I think it uh, goes to show what he's dealing with, the fact that he didn't score any goals last night, uh, any points actually uh, in either role, five on five or power play. Um, But if he can get back to 100 percent, I do think they may want to consider sitting him uh, for a night or two uh, just to get ready for the postseason. I know they're still in a battle. They haven't clinched their spot yet. But I think they're so firmly, you know, they're six points ahead of Anaheim. I think they're fine enough there to to sit him. It's not like without him, they're they're suddenly uh, a terrible team. He is a huge uh, contributor there, but I think they can get by without him. I think they'd be well suited to rest him for a night or two just to make sure those bumps and bruises don't carry into the playoffs. And uh, St. Louis is a team that's right on the bubble. They're on the outside looking in as the standings look this morning. They got some good news in getting Vladimir Tarasenko back a couple of games ago, and he scored twice in his first two games to get quickly back into a groove at a time when the stakes are so high for this team. Elsewhere, Kyle Brodziak continues to rise to the occasion as a productive second-line center, making the departure of Paul Stastny a little bit more palatable. He has, uh, Brodziak has six points in his last eight games for action last night. Patrick Berglund has also emerged as a nice fit on the left side of that second line with three goals and one assist over his last four games to show for it. So the front two lines of the offense here are in order, and that's got to give them their best chance at qualifying for the postseason, I think. Yeah, I, I do think uh, they're not quite going to make it. I've, I've got them out. Um, and, you know, we saw this last season, you know, they traded away Kevin Shattenkirk and then were supposed to just be done for the year. And they made a run and, and did show up in the playoffs. They're trying to do that again. They traded away Paul Stastny uh, and they're looking at potentially making another run here. I think it's just going to be uh, a little bit uh, too late, unfortunately, for this team. I don't think they're going to make it. Uh, ultimately, if they do, I think it's Minnesota that would be the team that drops out, not Colorado. Uh, uh, the Avs have been playing really well lately, but we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, but I don't think uh, they'll make it. And for me, it's a question about depth outside of those top two lines. Uh, Vladimir Sabotka has been pretty good of late, uh, has a goal and an assist in his last four games. Um, but 
I just don't think there's enough outside of that. Tage Thompson, Dimitri Jaskin are his wingers. I don't think those guys have enough talent uh, to really carry a third line role here. Uh, and so I, I think they're just a little too thin outside of those top two. And in Tampa, boy, we talked about Tampa with regard to Boston. We've got to talk about Boston with respect to our Tampa discussion here. They're that closely linked right now. There have been very, very few concerns all year for this club in uh, in Florida, but one glaring one has appeared in goal. We've been talking about it for weeks, a bit of slippage in, in Vasilevsky's play, going through a stretch where he's given up at least three goals against in nine of his last 11 starts. It's not all on him, though, as the team has allowed 35 shots or more in five of those games, so the defensive structure has been lacking a little bit. They didn't look good in losing to Arizona at home 4-1 to last night either, did they? They have a slim two-point advantage over Boston with the Bees holding a pair of games in hand, as we said. A big concern, though, is the fact that one Steven Stamkos missed last night's game with a lower body injury. That development bears watching going forward at a critical time in this season. Well, twice in his last eight starts, Vasilevsky has given, or three times rather, in his last eight starts, he's given up six goals in a game and walked away with wins in two of those, which uh, speaks to the offensive firepower on this team. Uh, to your point, facing a lot of shots over that stretch. Uh, and so it is not all on him, but I do think uh, there, there are some serious concerns. Ryan McDonough just hasn't, they talked about some defensive uh, you know, problems this team was having before they even traded for McDonough. Now he didn't play right away. So maybe it's taking a little bit to work him into the lineup. But I do think uh, he hasn't really uh, uh, secured that that blue line as well as they kind of hoped. Uh, and I think Ryan Callahan is a depth guy that they're missing as well. Uh, he's been out for a while. It sounds like that's going to drag on for a little bit longer, may or may not be back in the last few games in April here. So uh, the forward depth is starting to get stretched. Vasilevsky is getting tired in goal, and they really haven't improved their blue line much. Uh, it is kind of a recipe for disaster. Now, they obviously have clinched their playoff spot already, uh, but I don't think they're going to make it uh, to the first overall. I do think Boston will catch them, which has them set for a date with uh, the next team we'll talk about here, your Maple Leafs. And talking about the Leafs, uh, Freddie Anderson and Austin Matthews uh, came back to the lineup last week, and the, they started rolling right away. This team showed everyone last week that they're capable of as they went to on the road to visit the top two teams in the league, and they really laid waste to both of them except for one period in Tampa where they gave up a three-goal three lead effectively. All, these, uh, all those periods on the road. A speedy and skilled team got even better with the addition of rookie Andreas Johnson uh, as he was promoted to the Marlies, giving them the fastest fourth line in the league. Don't expect him to get playoff action, though, because Leo Komarov's coming back, and he's got a date as a checking forward who's going to be a pest against either Kucherov or Marshawn in the first round. I'm a little surprised that they have used Freddie Anderson three games in a row since he returned to the lineup, but I guess he wants to get into that playoff routine, and he's looked pretty sharp with the exception of a, a late goal in last night's game. He's been uh, pretty good uh, since he came back from the injury list. Yeah, what's interesting is it seems like, uh, you know, that fourth line is playing really well together. Uh, Andreas Johnson, Thomas Placanic, and Kasperi Kapanen. But the problem for me is that Placanic doesn't have anything to show for it. Uh, no points in his 12 games with Toronto, uh, a minus four over that stretch. 
Ice time here is a, is a big question mark, just 1120 since joining the Leafs. And so they're really not using him that much. Now, maybe that's a benefit for him, a 35 year old playing with a couple of, uh, you know, freshly minted guys, you know, he might just not be able to hang out there for 20 minutes a night with a bunch of youngsters. So, uh, but it is a concern to me. I, I think, uh, Placanic is just, hasn't really clicked enough, at least offensively. Um, if he can get there, I think it'll be really good for this team. I think the biggest, uh, attribute heading into the playoffs is going to be Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I think his, his ability to play in the postseason, his knowledge of how to prepare for postseason games. This is a relatively young team still outside of obviously Placanic uh, and Marlowe. I think having a veteran leadership like Patrick Marlowe is going to be huge for guys like Austin Matthews, Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner, uh, and everybody else on this squad. So I think his value off the ice is going to be astronomical come postseason. In Vancouver, of course, this team is out. My my best call last Tuesday when we did the DFS segment was using Alex Edler in goal in uh, defense. He responded with a two goal night along with an assist to power my club to cashing in. He was blanked though in the last two games last week. But what I really like about him is that he's been discounted uh, in DFS uh, play, but his shots on goal rate's been great with an average of three per game over his last nine starts. And uh, he's linchpin on a power play that's got still got the Sedins there and some dynamic pieces around them so this team can point uh, also to the fact that Jacob Markstrom is a piece they can build around going forward he's proved to be a capable number one in terms of the workload with solid stats despite uh, being on a rebuilding club so he gets marks from me as well this week's well, the one guy I want to talk about, I'm going to bring up another one of these entry-level guys uh, signing a deal and going to play right away. Uh, you're looking at Adam Godet here, a 21-year-old center coming out of Northeastern University, had 60 points in 38 games uh, this season. He's a Hobie Baker Award finalist. And with the Canucks being really banged up, uh, I think they're better suited to have uh, the youngster play with them for a few games here uh, rather than, you know, sign with uh, with Utica and play in the AHL for a little bit. Overall, in his three year career, 142 points in 116 games. Uh, how this guy dropped to the fifth round of the 2015 NHL draft, I won't really know. But right now it's looking like an absolute steal for Vancouver. I think he's going to be an important piece for this team as they transition to a post-Sedin era. Uh, in Las Vegas, they won another game and clinched a playoff spot, tallying their 103rd point in the regular season. This upstart club continues to do just enough to keep an edge atop its division despite losing a pair of games in extra time last week and bouncing back last night versus Colorado. It's notable to me that Thomas Tatar is starting to build a case for more top six minutes after collecting a pair of goals in that mix last week. The lengthy injury list is still a source of some concern here and Derek Englund, a key defender and another one of those rare D-men who has a decent offensive game to go with his defensive stats as a 100-plus guy in both hits and block shots is out of the lineup with an undisclosed injury, missing consecutive games for the first time this season. Yeah, for me, the biggest injury here uh, of note right now is Riley Smith. Uh, he's been out for a while, has missed the last 10 games. Uh, but prior to that, you know, 22 goals on the year, uh, needs just three more to reach a career high. Not sure if he'll be back in time to do that. 38 assists, so that has him at 60 points, which is also a career high. A 32 plus minus for this guy. So uh, that's an astounding number. Uh, solid two-way player. Plays on the power play as well. I think his absence has really hurt their offense. 
uh, more than, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, may have anticipated when he initially got hurt. The defensive concerns are obviously there uh, with the, the, you know, the England injury, Lucas Pisa also still out, Clayton Stoner out. Uh, and so I'm not sure how long this team will hang in the postseason if they don't get healthy uh, soon. They've got Oscar Lindbergh started skating, albeit in a no contact jersey. I'm not sure where he fits in, even when he's healthy. Pierre Edouard Belmar has been pretty good lately, so I'm not sure he's going to bounce him from the lineup. So uh, some serious question marks for Vegas heading into the postseason. It's not the time of year where you want any questions about your lineup. And I want to talk next about the Washington Capitals. Uh, They played last night. Uh, The use of Tom Wilson on the top line is an idea that I don't really get. AJ, I mean, I don't think the top producing line mates on this unit need his protection. And I don't think he's a noted <laughs> defensive presence either. He has set career highs and goals and points for sure, holding on to that role again. But you and I could fit in there too, I do, I do think. I don't see this as part of a winning hand in the playoffs. So I wonder if it, it's more of an indictment on the forward depth here on a club that has not got the depth that they've enjoyed in the past. I would rather see a guy like Jakob Vrana back in that slot after watching him produce eight points in his last 12 games before action last night. Uh, He's playing in the third line role. I'd like to see him move up into the top six and move uh, Wilson down before they go to the postseason here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Alex Chason, another person that they could potentially move up if they don't want it to be Vrana. Uh, Chason's got five points in his last four games, although he did sit two as a healthy scratch over that stretch as well. So he seems to be finding his niche, finding his groove there. Uh, the goaltending situation is the big question mark here. Now, Hopi uh, was the backup uh, last night, was healthy enough in that role. Uh, is he going to be their postseason starter? I mean, that's huh. I, I can't believe we're asking it, but it's a legitimate question. Uh, he's had the flops lately. He's clearly dealing with injuries. And Philip Grubauer has been really, really good of late. Had another solid outing last night. Just two goals allowed on 30 shots. He's won three in a row. Won six of his last seven games. Uh, it's it's a certainly a question mark for this team. Uh, it's it's not a bad question to have if if you're actually considering sitting Braden Holpe for the playoffs. Uh, is a good spot to be in. We'll see how it all shakes out, but but it would be really interesting to see what the coaching staff decides to do here. In Winnipeg, this club looks to have dodged a major bullet after Patrick Lining didn't even miss a game after it looked like he injured his foot by blocking that shot last week. He was blanked in three games last week, certainly, but isn't blaming that mini slump on the injury. Jets fans certainly want to believe in him. More good news on the injury front is that Jacob Truba has been cleared for contact and should return soon to active duty. That's a key development because they like to see more offense from a deeper defense behind Dustin Bufflin, who's been the lone guy who's been a steady performer there in terms of production offensively. Tyler Myers, for instance, his offensive contribution has dried up completely over the last 11 games after a pretty good run uh, and returned to form this earlier this season. I wonder if the pace of play and his usage has worn him down a bit. He's been a minus player in five of those last nine games. Yeah, this is a team that really lacks uh, some offensive contributors right now uh, on that blue line. Dustin Bufflin has just one goal uh, in his last uh, several games, and so that's a, a struggle for them as well. One goal in his last 11. Uh, you know, Jakob Truba would obviously add uh, a little bit to the mix. 
I think the big player that they could use here uh, and won't get him back until at least the playoffs is Toby Enstrom. He at least has the caliber. Now, he hasn't done it the last few years, uh, hasn't reached a 20-point mark since the 2014-15 season, but he's certainly capable of it. And so if they can get him healthy, uh, I think he can certainly factor in. But that's not going to happen until the playoffs at the earliest. So some serious question marks there. Now, fortunately, on the flip side, uh, arguably two of the best uh, top lines in the league right now. Uh, Stastny as their second line center playing with line A and Ehlers. You've got Kyle Connor playing out of his mind alongside Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, the, I don't I don't dislike their third line depth. They're a little bit of an unheralded group, Perot, Cop, and, and Brian Little, but arguably two of the best uh, one-two lines in the league right now for for offensive scoring here and let's talk a little bit about FanDuel now that we've gone through the 31 teams AJ we're still going to be seeing NHL DFS throughout the postseason and you and I are going to talk about that for a few rounds of playoffs at least as we continue this show on a weekly basis but as we get deeper into the playoffs getting the right team stacks will be more vital than ever because there's going to be no more than four or five games a night most nights and uh, don't forget that baseball is going to be getting underway later this week and I'm curious to know if you have any insight into what uh, our listeners can look forward to in, in terms of baseball coverage for DFS play in, in Rotowire, but certainly you can also talk about some of the resources at the home office. I'm sure it's buzzing there, as you said, in terms of the onset of the uh, playoffs in both basketball and hockey. But what's, what's up on the baseball front that you can share with the class? Well, I mean, the biggest uh, the biggest tool that I'll, I'll mention is going to definitely be the lineup optimizer. Uh, that's up and running if you want to start building your lineups for, for opening day already. Uh, the nice part about that is you can kind of tailor it to your contest. Uh, you can do the all-day slate if you're going to start with the, the Cubs game uh, at 1240 Eastern, uh, you know, through the late games at, at 1010, or you can kind of exclude games from there. Um, as far as, you know, other tools, uh, I always like to start with, you know, checking out some of our daily, uh, articles They come out every day, depending on, you know, which site you like to choose, uh, you know, they'll have it up there, uh, some picks. And I like to start there. I pick out a few guys that I like, you know, what I read in those articles, lock them into the lineup optimizer and go from there. So, uh, some really fantastic tools available, uh, on, on the site, some things to check out there. Uh, we're adding new uh, lineup optimizers too, depending on the type of uh, format you're going to play, whether it's standard format or, or some of the others that they offer. So uh, some really great tools there available once uh, once baseball starts here. Can't wait for that. Over two and a half million players have ca- won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. And if you've been <laughs> listening to our show, you've likely cashed more often than not as well. We've been pretty hot all season long, but really picked up our game in the second half of the season. Please take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void. We're prohibited. They were prohibited when I was in Arizona, so I'm looking forward to getting back to playing DFS play with you, AJ, tonight. So let's get that rolling with our DFS segment. Why don't you run through tonight's early game schedule, and I'll take the later ones. Absolutely. So it starts with the Hurricanes coming off a of back-to-back. Uh, they'll play at the Devils. Uh, you've got uh, you know a pretty uh, even matchup, in my opinion. Now, Vegas has the Devils favorite at one, uh, minus 155. Looks like Kincaid likely against Darling uh, in that matchup. Islanders also coming off a of back-to-back against Ottawa, who are coming off a of back-to-back. Actually, I believe they played each other, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Kind of a weird scheduling quirk there. Uh, likely going to see Condon and Gibson tonight. 
a six and a half over under on that one. So it should be a high scoring game. Uh, I would hedge towards the over actually, if I was going to pick uh, in one of, in the most one-sided matchup tonight, you've got the penguins at Detroit who are coming off a of back-to-back uh, Pittsburgh minus two thirty-five tonight, a six over under probably expect uh, Matt Murray to take that one. Uh, getting into the eight o'clock slate. You got the sharks also coming off a of back-to-back a lot of teams playing back-to-backs tonight. So important to note when you're building your lineup, uh, they're going to travel to St. Louis. Uh, you've, uh, I don't have a line on that one. Unfortunately, it looks like it'll probably be Aaron Dell against Jake Allen. Uh, and then the other eight o'clock game here, wild, uh, at Nashville. This is probably one of the bigger games tonight. Nashville, the heavy favorites, which I find interesting, a minus 165 uh, for the Predators. Uh, they are at home, and so that's certainly a factor as well. So those are kind of the early games. Uh, going to the late slate, I know uh, it kicks off here, Paul, with probably the premier matchup of the night. Yeah, a beauty that I will be tuning into. <coughs> Boston Bruins going to Winnipeg. Of course, they've had a great road trip and a great finish to their season, but it's a tough out. Yeah, going into Winnipeg's home den where the fans will be right on you and uh, that eight o'clock start should feature the top two goalies Rask and Hallibuck but uh, they're not been confirmed of late at this point anyway and then beyond that it's the Flyers at Dallas Flyers are hoping to fan their playoff hopes and Dallas has blown there so I favor the visitors tonight that's an 8:30 start Columbus into Edmonton it's a game the Jackets have to get <coughs> and uh Finishing it up is Anaheim at Vancouver, a game that the Ducks should prevail at 10 o'clock on the road. All right, uh, we know which games give us uh, give us the most pleasure in, in anticipating tonight. I think we're in agreement on Boston and Winnipeg, so why don't we get into our own picks, AJ? I'm curious, you've kept a wrap on yours. I've revealed mine to you, but uh, what have you got tonight? All right, so I am going to start off with uh, Mark Shifley as my kind of centerpiece here, 7700 that's a hefty price tag, but uh, Boston, uh, it is, you know, it does look like it's going to be uh, Pekka Rene. So, you know, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, looks like it's going to be Anton Kudobin rather okay. tonight. So uh, not getting Tuka Rask, uh, Kudobin instead. So I do like the matchup there a little bit for Winnipeg. Uh, and Shifley has been phenomenal. For my other center, I am going to use Derek Broussard for 5,200. Despite the six-game point streak still coming in at a low price tag, the matchup against Detroit is a really good one. Uh, And so I think he's a great value at that role, still playing with Phil Kessel. uh, And so hard not to pick up at least an assist when you're, uh, you know, with with that guy and his wicked shot Uh, going towards the wings. Well, I mentioned Phil Kessel. I'm going to stick with him for 7,700. He's just been so great lately. Gets those power play minutes with Crosby and Malkin. Hard not to use him uh, whenever he's available, but especially against Detroit. Uh, From there, I'll go with Josh Bailey. Islanders against Ottawa. We talked about this, uh, the over-under on that. Could be a high-scoring game. Bailey's getting the assignment with John Tavares, has been for a little while, and so I think he can definitely find a way to contribute, get on the score sheet. Uh, From there, I'll go with Travis Konechny for the Flyers, 5,900. He's been really good of late. We talked also about Kerry Lettinen's struggles. Uh, You know, Konechny's got uh, four, uh, four goals in his last five games. His shots against are really good as well. He's got 16 shot or shots uh, for rather in those five games. So about three a night. I, I love that he's shooting the puck, a great matchup. And then for me, 
kind of the the must be in your lineup guy is Kyle Connor, fifty one hundred. Uh, he's just been so hot lately, and that price tag is just so cheap for a guy playing top line minutes. Uh, I I don't know why his price tag hasn't adjusted. If I'm setting the prices over at FanDuel, I have this guy coming in at least at sixty one hundred, not fifty one hundred. Uh, so that that's kind of my take on it, and that's why I think he has to be in your lineup tonight. Defensively, Hampus Lindholm for Anaheim. 4,600 gets a decent matchup against Vancouver. He's got a goal and an assist in his last three games. Uh, Shots are admittedly a little low for me, uh, but I I think he's been finding ways to contribute at the right time. And it's a decent matchup. Uh, And then Tyler Myers, 4,100. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, or we talked about the defensive lapses for uh, the Jets lately, and, and Myers is no exception. hasn't scored uh, in his last like ten games, uh, but I think at forty one hundred against a matchup with Boston, who's going to have Anton Kudobin going tonight, uh, I think there's a chance for me. Uh, this is definitely my my risk reward play tonight. Uh, is Tyler Myers, and then in goal, uh, I really had to do it. I, I went with Matt Murray eighty three hundred. Uh, the matchup's just too good to pass up on. Uh, maybe some other options. Uh, you know, you could take a look uh, at Keith Kincaid, uh, 7,800. He's uh, playing at home against Carolina, uh, so a decent matchup for him. Uh, so there are other options out there, but for me, I just couldn't pass up on Matt Murray against Detroit. Uh, I think it's going to be a one-sided game, uh, hopefully in my Penguins' favor. So that's what I did tonight. Uh, Paul, how did your lineup shake out? Well, I got two of the same players as you. We try to avoid that, but they're the two screaming hot deals that you identified I agree with completely in Connor and Murray in goal. So I'll skip those and talk about Nico Heischer and Connor McDavid. Yes, I, fi- I fit- found a way to fi- fit Connor McDavid into my lineup because I went cheap with a few other positions. McDavid has been lighting things up and he's kind of running away with a scoring title all of a sudden with a four-point bulge on the nearest competition. So you got to love the way he's playing and Heischer has been carrying the flag for the Devils to their uh, late season run and yet his price tag is undervalued I think at $5,300. Along with McDavid, I go with Ty Ratty who's been his caddy for the or caught up in his wake over the last couple of weeks and still holding on to that role why wouldn't you plug this guy in for four thousand dollars with the run that he's been on on uh, mcdavid's flank and then kyle connor we mentioned at fifty one hundred dollars a no-brainer for both of us and then uh, also with a, a mismatch that anaheim needs to get Corey perry will be running wild tonight i think and for sixty three hundred dollars a must-have as well for me and then similarly uh, i think dallas has kind of given things up philadelphia needs to get this game and they're one of their leaders claude Giroux, at seventy six hundred finds his way into my lineup as well i went for an anaheim defenseman as well i took brandon montour i mentioned in our show that he's one of the youngsters that come to the forefront in terms of their scoring and all-around game in top four minutes. I think he gets to take advantage of that tonight, all for $4,300. And then I'm going to give Nick Letty one more shot. This guy is the best offensive piece on the blue line here. Plus minus doesn't factor in. Otherwise, I would definitely not be using this guy. But offensively against a suspect Ottawa defensive structure, I got to plug him in for $4,800. And then, of course, we agree on Matt Murray. So that's our lineups for tonight. Why don't you lead us through what the optimizer has and see if there's any dovetailing with what we've said. Yeah, so the optimizer likes Minnesota in a uh, in a stack here tonight, and it starts with Eric Stahl, seventy three hundred. Uh, he's been really good of late, so certainly can't blame uh, the optimizer for that. And then the other center, Dylan Larkin, who you highlighted going up against Pittsburgh, sixty one hundred. Uh, so some some interesting uh, one, you know, uh, long shot picks here. Uh, not that these players are long shots, but they're taking 
uh, kind of the underdog team. Uh, Zach Parise, the next Minnesota guy, 6,400. Jordan Eberle for the Islanders, uh, 5,600. I think his price tag is pretty good for the amount of uh, uh, contributions he's certainly capable of. Second line, second power play unit. Anthony Mantha and uh, Andreas Athanasio both coming in uh, for the other wingers for uh, Detroit, 4,300, 4,200. So uh, obviously a contrarian lineup, in, in my opinion, uh, taking some underdogs here, but that's always a good way. If it hits, that's a great way to to cash in some GPPs. Brent Burns for 7,200 defensively. Can't argue with that. Ryan Suter for Minnesota, 5,500. And then wrapping it up, the optimizer is going to go with Devin Dubnik in goal, the last Minnesota Wild player here, 8,400. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I probably won't play this lineup tonight. Uh, I think it's a little too contrarian for me, but uh, certainly an argument could be made to utilize it. Well, particularly if this team winds up in the winner's circle, I'll be reminding you next week, but I'm on side with you. I don't, <laughs> I don't like it off the, off the face of it, uh, what I see. Well, and now we wind things up with turning our attention to the start of the week, and I'm going to give the nod to Connor McDavid. Uh, you got to give him credit for continuing to play at a very high level, despite the fact that this season went up in smoke a long time ago in Edmonton. He led all scorers last week with five goals and five assists in the four games he played, and now is a four-point lead, as I said, on all other point-getters. Uh, and when I look at the other leaders, I note that all the other guys can say they play with a better team and or better line mates. Connor McDavid is making a loud statement that he's still to be considered the best player in the game today, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's there's little argument there. You look at the the race here, the points race. Uh, he may have just edged it out. And now Nikita Kucherov, uh, you know, is just three back. Uh, but I think it's down to a two-man race for sure. And McDavid doesn't look like he's going to give up on that Art Ross at all. I'm not I'm not expecting McKinnon or Malkin to be able to track uh, him down either. They're both at 92, seven points, a little bit uh, too much to overcome with uh, just a, you know, a handful of games left. So uh, Connor McDavid heading to another Art Ross trophy. Uh, it's unfortunate that the rest of the team around him hasn't been good enough. Uh, you, it's hard to imagine a guy winning the Art Ross and not making the playoffs. Uh, he just, you know, he needs some help, and I think uh, that could be a concern for the Edmonton front office. If I'm them right now, I'm I'm a little worried. Uh, ownership looking down. Hey, we have the best player in the league, but we didn't make the playoffs. That's a little suspect to me, and and some questions could be coming for ownership and and the coach or for the front office and the coaching staff. And uh, my rant of the week, AJ, is the whole issue of injury disclosure. This news is more guarded in hockey than in any other North American sport. Why can't we see better disclosure, not just in terms of a forecast of weeks before uh, that they're going to be away, or but also in terms of game day expectations? Look, the league and teams do receive advertising money from companies like FanDuel and DraftKings in the DFS space. So there's an acknowledgement of fantasy sports and full disclosure it goes, should go hand in hand with what we're trying to do in this industry. It's time to come out with, from under the cone of silence. Uh, we encourage teams to do so and be a lot more transparent with this information. That'll attract more money and more eyeballs to this sport. In the end, that's what drives it, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I think the interesting point here, and I'm going to talk about two teams. Uh, you've got the Golden Knights who are so, uh, Gerard Gallant is so secretive about what these injuries are. 
we don't even know if Derek England is actually injured or if he's being healthy scratched. We don't know if he's dealing with an illness or, or an injury. There's no indication. Uh, Gallant was pretty much like, uh, yeah, he's not in the lineup. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And, and that's, uh, really a, a question, uh, that I think is, is legit that we should at least know, is he injured? Is he a healthy scratch? Is he sick? Is he dealing with an injury? You know, and, and that, that situation goes above and beyond. Most teams at least will give you upper body, lower body illness as kind of your three designations there. Uh, but the, the Vegas Golden Knights and, and, and Coach Gallant have really taken this to a whole new level that that I definitely don't think is good for fans or, or for fantasy players. Uh, on the flip side, uh, the Penguins by no means are like any better in, in a lot of categories. Uh, Coach Mike Sullivan has is, is pretty much gotten to be a confirmation of a player returning the lineup if he calls them a game-time decision. Uh, it pretty much means, yes, he's been out for two weeks. He's a game-time decision tonight. Uh, 99 times out of 100, that guy's going to play. Uh, and so you can start to read into that. But the one thing they do that's really great. And you have to, uh, attribute this to what they dealt with, with Sidney Crosby is if anybody on that team gets a concussion, the team is very clear about it, very upfront about it. And they will tell you that it's a concussion that a player is dealing with. And so I do think that's at least a step in the right direction. There's plenty of other teams that have let guys be upper body or even just calling it a head injury, uh, without coming out right and saying a concussion. So, uh, just kind of two different spectrums and, and, and I don't want it to sound like I'm praising the penguins for being open and honest because they're just as bad as everybody else outside of this one uh, area. But I think it's a step in the right direction that maybe we can start to at least have a little more transparency on injuries, you know, to guys and, and why they're out of the lineup. That's well said, AJ, and a fine place to end our show this week. That wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical information from around the NHL when we next put out our subsequent pod on April the 3rd for the next episode of PuckCast, the last regular season one, in fact, so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. (laughs) 